Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Charlie, have you ever had an update to an update? Do you know, sometimes I need an update on an update. Well, I'm going to update you on the update on the update. And if you're listening to this going, well, how do I get the update to the update to the update? Head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email. Push the subscribe button. We'll notify you every single time we come out with one of these episodes and update you on the update of the update. Let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant, today's going to be a juicy one. That was a drum roll. It wasn't bad. Yes. (laughs) Great. So for the listeners out there, Grant and I have been away on a, what I'll call a bit of a review time, a bit of planning time. We still are. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's the end. We're actually on the last morning before we're on our way home to drive back. And there's been a lot of discussion about property this weekend. Literally at nights watching property stuff. Like, it doesn't get much more immersive. I can't believe how many videos we watched on rooming houses last night and trying to understand the mechanics of that. And developments the night before. (laughs) Everything. Completely. And you said something really interesting uh, on this trip where you've discussed the idea of, like, malleability. Yeah. And how you can be going in a direction and for whatever reason, things change. You know, interest rates go up, earnings go up or down. And that you have to be adaptable to the strategies and tactics that make sense versus like what's still going to get you towards the goal. Totally. And I, I thought that was a really interesting point because the world is ever-changing. Um, so in this episode today, what we're actually going to be doing is what I'll call the, the mid-cycle update. <laughs> the mid-year no, actually, okay. I'm not sure I like that one. All right. Go again. Well, in summary, the last time we were sharing about our own property goals was the start of the year. Mm-hmm. So at the start of the year, you referenced the idea of you're going to be doing the accumulator. The, accumulator, the Terminator. The yeah. Accumulator. So going to acquire three to four properties. You've acquired your first and then there's been some changes. Oh, there's been a little bit of a pause. Yeah. And then conversely, I had gone on the idea of this is a time of being uh, consolidating, reinvesting in properties and uh, being opportunistic. So waiting for the moment to strike, being the vulture. I was going to say, that's like there's an animal in the kingdom called a vulture. <laughs> it's more like that. Well, we're halfway through the year now. Uh, there's been changes for both of us. I feel like we should update our audience on the changes and also the reasoning and whys behind it. Because particularly with your one, I don't think we've ever had so much discussion around a single idea <laughs> because it flips between the concept of Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to drop a hint. It, it, it flips between the concept of like great decision for investing versus great decision for you personally. Completely. So we're going we're to tinker on that today. Do you want to go first? Oh, I was just about to. No, you're Let, going like first. <sighs> fine, 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 fine. I'll go first. All right. Go. All right so from Sorry. the start of the year, the intention was the accumulator. So just, just briefly recap on that. All right. So at the start of the year, I was looking at the property market. And my personal portfolio, and I'm like, if I accumulate three to four properties this year, I'm going to have the greatest year ever and set myself up for decades to come. 
And so it was all prefaced around how do I get as much borrowing power as I possibly can and as much cash as I can to go and acquire as many properties as I possibly can within a year. So think one a quarter. And that was the key focus was ensuring that my portfolio goes and accumulates. That was it. Okay. And we did a previous episode, but you definitely acquired one. Yep. But then have not acquired anything since. Deliberately. Okay. Now, why? So, it got to a point where we were looking at going for the second one. And I'm like, okay, let's go uh, again. And I sat down. uh, So, we live in Melbourne, CBD. And I sat down and I started looking at going great. In in the next 12 months, 24 months, I'm going to start a family. I'm also going to need to house this family somewhere what is going to be the best place for us to not deal with all these ups and downs of rents and deal with fighting for 50 people to try and get into a particular property and so i said maybe it is the best opportunity for me to go ppr and then i went back to my investment brain and i'm like no that can't be possible at all and so i actually had quite a few conversations with yourself with aaron who we even had on the podcast talking about debt recycling <laughs> the, you know the exact thing that i needed to know it's more the power of, of it <laughs> Um, and how I could utilize an asset that has a component of investment grade into it that also meets the PPR expectations. All right. So, we just want to pause there because I think there's some interesting insights. So, number one, your earnings hasn't gone down and it's not because you're not stopping accumulating because you can't. No, like I, I could accumulate again. All right. Second one is that your strategy for property and what you've looked at Still works. Completely. So if you kept accumulating within your own strategy, it's not like that market has tanked and you're like, oh, wow, I've got to jump ship. This doesn't work. It's your personal situation and what you've looked at that is uh, changed immensely here. I want to throw in one thing you didn't mention, which I know we've discussed here, which I think is important. Also, the idea of acquiring property in Melbourne because you want to be in Melbourne. Yeah. So if you're... Uh, in, you know, what we're going to say, not financial advice, if you believe that Melbourne is going to do well in the coming years as well, which you and I both do, is that if you continue to invest and never acquire an asset in Melbourne Southeast for a PPR, there's just a hurdle of coming back to that PPR that you're always going to have to jump. And that's that was one of the layers that I was looking at was going, okay, if I continue focusing on a more accumulation of properties... At some point, I'm going to have to switch pivot back to, or I most probably will. I don't have to do anything, uh, but I'm most probably going to switch and pivot and go buy my own house. And I go, okay, well, how do I best do that from a financial perspective? I probably have to refinance some properties, extract out some equity, do all of these things versus, okay, well, what happens if I delay accumulating a couple more investment properties? And do the thing now. And the way that I also look at it is I don't have any properties in Victoria, which Melbourne's obviously in Victoria. Um, I believe that the southeastern suburbs slash eastern suburbs of Melbourne will always do well. Like it's it's going to go through extreme density creation over the next couple of years or decades. And I go, if I continue to push this out further, the property prices will continue to increase, which I'm completely fine with. But maybe whilst I have the dry powder slash capital available, maybe that's going to be the really good way for me to get a property in Victoria, a really good way for me to sort of focus on spending my money on mortgage, not rent, as well as going to do the whole family thing. And so it's more like that that double split of me going, great, like this is almost part of the portfolio. And then I can obviously utilize it to debt recycle and do all of these other great mechanisms for PPR 
Um, so it's not a huge change into just going to buying, only buying more investment properties and renting. How much of your decision has been weighted on what it's changed to be a renter? Because there's two factors to this, and I want to lay them down, and I want to hear both. One, rents have gone up. If rents have gone up substantially, right? Totally. If rents halved, I think this would be a different conversation. Totally. And uh, the other side of it is uh, security, yep. right? A place for having children, school zones, all the stuff we've been dealing with and thinking about, which I know you've witnessed in my life. Um, and then, so I'll even go another one: supply. How hard it is to get a good rental in the locations we want to live. Like it's all good to be a rent investor, but it's like, what if there's no rentals where you want to live? And that's that comes back to the key. Uh, I'll put one more thing into it, which is uh, time and necessity. So I have no need to have a PPR now. <laughs> like I can wait six months and buy something. Where there's a lot of people trying to buy their own house now that already have the kids and so they must have something that looks like this where I'm very beneficial. I don't have kids yet. There's no need for me to go and buy a place which also then removes all pressure for me just trying to get anything. So, I just get a look at real estate every single day. <laughs> I, I will say in some of the suburbs we look, which uh, I'm in uh, Brighton at the moment and I've been going to a few open inspections and speaking to agents and things like that. I'll tell you right now, when a parent wants to put their kid in a school zone, it, they do not care about price. Price is irrelevant. They're not valuing the house on it being a good investment or a reasonable that. No, no, no. I must maintain my status and social circles. Completely. And my kids need to be here. And like I've like I've I spoke to an agent the other day and like he was referencing the ruthlessness of some of those things. It's basically how he makes all his money. <laughs> We're just two parents playing off each other to try and get their kids to go to the best school. Yes. <laughs> There is so much more to that. That's fantastic. Disturbing. Anyway, and, continue. Yeah, and so for for me, where I'm at, it, there is no pressure, right? Like I could, we could fast forward three months and me go, ah, PBR is not a good idea. Let's just go and buy three properties, <laughs> three investment properties. That that is the key to this whole play of me just going. You know what? If it needs renovations, cool. Time's on my side. Uh, you kind of—I don't necessarily think you've represented that well. You've said you'd in that statement. You're almost like I'm, I could flip and go buy investments. I don't think that's what we've been discussing. No. So there's two layers to it, right? Of me going, I want to focus on getting a PPR. So that's but, the new goal of the year. That is the new goal of the year. Okay. But, so wait, wait, were we going to get in? Are you now the PPR accumulator? I was trying to find out like names to put on. <laughs> And it's like, what is it? Like the Indian giver, like the renegger. <laughs> I will say, like it's, not a, on his it's not a bad year <laughs> if you get a one investment property and a PPR. That's actually well, a great year. Totally. Um, and that's, so that's where it's at. Like it is going, we bought one investment property this year, going to go hard on a PPR, which is awesome. Like I could not think of anything better at the current stage of life. Um, funnily enough, we might even do a bit of a reno on a house or do some kind of add value add, um, yeah, to see how it sits in the portfolio. I actually think that's a great opportunity in the market and I'll express why I think it's important. People right now are paying a premium for finished products because they're concerned about builders, trades, supplies of like, you know, tiles, timber. So I actually think in my view at the current time of recording this, what, what, what are we in? We're roughly at the end of May into June as we record this. Places that need work have a little bit of, I think, are a better investment. Completely. And I think that the price is also a little bit better comparative to completely finished places. Because if you've got a family, you're not going to wait 
for a three-month reno or a six-month reno. You can't. You're you out. have to go in. But then what family wants their kids to be susceptible to a kitchen being ripped out and all the dust in the house and things like that? And so- By the way, I might send my mum this episode. I think that was my entire upbringing. <laughs> I don't think we ever lived in a finished yeah, house. That, that explains quite a lot, Charlie. <laughs> But yes, it's so, the way my brain developments just got like, uh, what is it, like sand dust in my brain? Sawdust. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Insulation. Um, yeah, and so that's that's been the, the hard pivot, which I actually never expected coming into the year. I think, yeah, seeing, uh, also seeing the prices uh, adjust quite nicely in southeastern suburbs has been quite good. So that also... Oh, they'd be going layer. up. <laughs> that also be adds another layer to it. So, yeah, time, opportunity, completely ring-nagging on me becoming an accumulator to go and pivot into getting a PPR. Is it hard admitting that to people on this podcast? You know what's funny? It's like, this comes back to your point at the start, which is being malleable. It's, I'm completely fine with having a strategy, a punch and hard at that strategy, like buying uh, investment properties or like residential investment properties. And then going a complete 180 the next day because it is, I've supported my investment thesis when I was going hard on that way and I've just got new information or my situation has changed and I go, I just need to change. And so just going a hard 180, going doing the PPR and then just going a hard 180 back, it's not a bad thing. Like I don't end up in a worse spot for this, especially if I don't buy too much house, which has been like a key focus on this is everything that I'm looking at buying sits within that 30% band that we always talk about where the assets that I own, the house that I acquire is not more than 30% or a third of the assets that I own. And that's a really important point because in the way you're suggesting of doing this is you're going to acquire a PPR in the rest of this year, but it's not actually going to stop you from buying more property the following year. Completely. And and funnily enough, so I've gone and spoken to Aaron, uh, mortgage broker, about what my borrowing looks like after I've bought the PPR. I'm like, am I going to hamstring? Wait, you didn't get emotional at an auction and then sit yourself on the sidelines for five years because you bought too much house? <laughs> Just like stressing out. No, like we've, so we've been to auctions and I've sat there and I'm like, that's a great price for that house and that is a gorgeous house to live in. But I'm like, it's just too much house for us. And so we've literally just pulled up and just gone, no, we know what the price is. And this comes back to we have played this very well to our advantage on it. Um, and so, yeah, I've done all the double checks just to make sure that after I buy the PPR, I can go hard again on property. I would suggest that is probably one of the most important conversations you can have with your broker. And that's regardless if you're buying a PPR or an investment, investment property is knowing the impact after the purchase, what's going to need to happen from there. It's also been a bit of a theme this weekend is just making sure that people understand the second and third order consequences of the decisions they make before they make the decision. Absolutely. It's like, oh, by the way, now we're pregnant. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, how, how is this going to impact our life? As you get deeper into the game of property, you become more aware of just how many strategies and opportunities there are. And we discussed a little bit at the beginning, whether it's rooming houses, developments, duplexes, renovations. Yep. Value add. Like- oh, there's tons of stuff out there, commercial as well. Yep. There's people that develop to keep and develop to sell, right? There's all this stuff out there and we have spent a huge amount of time exploring it this this weekend and it is quite surprising to me how many have probably not thought through some of the consequences that come from things. Or just compared it to what they're currently doing. Like everything looks better from the outside. Like when we're looking through the glass window on the inside of the family and the house, 
and not looking at our own house. Like it's sometimes it's worse. <laughs> it's actually, no, no. It's better to stay where you're at at the moment and doing what you're currently doing than jumping ship and doing something that looks a little bit more shiny. Absolutely. If you've got a winning strategy and it's aligned with your goals, double down, keep going. What does um, Warren Buffett or Benjamin Graham say about investment? Investing, it's like it's, you're doing well when it's boring. Like, <laughs> and so it's like so many people get bored with it because like this can't be it. I must be missing something. And then they jump I, ship. I've really struggled with this. I, I will say right now, when you are doing the accumulator, I'm not going to lie, right? For my ego and status, buying eight properties in one year, you feel like a hero. I'll, I'll give you a t-shirt this year. <laughs> I will say I was a little disappointed there was no parade. <laughs> but anyway. I'll find one for you. <laughs> and like it's a, it was a busy and hectic time and challenging, but at the same time it was exciting. Yeah, totally. Um, and then after it, when we did the rounds of refinancing and consolidation, it's almost like I felt like if you've ever seen that um, meme of uh, Pablo Escobar in the pool. In his pool. Yeah, <laughs> just like swimming. staring into space. <laughs> what happens now? It's, <laughs> it's it means different. so much to you. So we, we were <laughs> making nothing to anyone so else. So from an investing point of view, making more money than ever. Things are compounding. Rents are going up. Loan terms are getting better. Like I'm literally looking at our financial reports and like from a results point of view, amazing. Nothing else changed. But from a excitement point of view, boring. Totally. So I totally get that. Yeah, outside of, did food start tasting a bit nicer? I did have to develop some other hobbies because <laughs> I needed to distract myself from property. And I think, <clears throat> But I think that comes back to being malleable. To you and I spend a lot of time trying to find out, is there a better way? Is there a better type of asset? Is there all the, like, is there just something else that someone else is doing that we should be thinking about just as a way for us to keep on top of the game? And until we find one of those things, it's like, no, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. But to your point, it is dull at times and it does not, just because it's Completely. dull does not mean you should change. Well, this is where complacency comes into totally. it. I, I'll give you another thing here that I'm, I'm quite fascinated by. I could understand why someone would think it's like if you find your strategy and you find what's working for you, just stay focused. Don't explore other things. It's shiny objects. It's only going to take you away from what you're doing. Except environments change. And it's like if you're not prepared or see the writing on the wall that, do you know what? When interest rates were zero or near zero, being a developer was a great idea. Yeah. Finance was easy. People are throwing money everywhere at, you know, 10% rates, which we've seen in hundreds. We, we watched something last night where people are paying between 10 and 14% interest rates for development finance <laughs> yeah. and their building materials have gone up. Yep, 20%. <laughs> if you've been running that strategy and you've been hit with this, your lack of awareness of what else you could be doing could be the thing that could have you undone. And then the challenge is that it seems like a lot of people just go bigger to try and make up the margin compression. They just go, oh, we'll just take on more risk. <laughs> okay. And I'm not, I don't want to make this a bashing on development, but I would say in the environment we are in now, it certainly appears to be harder. It definitely is harder. But then looking at <clears throat> what New South Wales is doing with trying out the, uh, the land tax instead of stamp duty, maybe renovations might become good if they expand it out. Like well, what if the market goes flat and the only <laughs> way to do well in, in property is to manufacture, manufacture. growth? Like there's different times. It's like having different tools in the belt. That is, and that, I think that's the key. And so coming back to the PPR, I've just focused on making sure I've been malleable to the idea of this might be the best time for me to buy something and it might be the greatest way for us to 
get into another state as opposed to just going and buying more investment properties. All right. So in summary, the accumulator is dead. You're an Indian giver. I'm not, I'm not sure you're allowed to say that anymore. I don't but know if you can. Am I a renegger? Is that what I am? Trader? Trader? <laughs> Actually, no, this is, a, this is a podcast about investing in property. I totally am a trader, right? <laughs> oh, no. All right. Stop the recording. Start again. <laughs> I think it's good to be transparent. And I do, um, I do find it challenging to understand at times what is appropriate to say with words and not anymore. Like when we grew up, like saying certain things was different anyway. I used to say that at the school. I don't mean it in an offensive way to anyone listening out there. No, totally. But yes, I am totally a trader now. So, but I actually, I think that this is going to be a great example of not buying too much house and walking through what that looks like and also how people can use a PPR. We'll do an episode update uh, along the way when you go through that more, I feel would be, uh, I think it'd be very helpful for people and it's still heading you towards your goals, which I think is another important thing here. I feel like next year might be the, another accumulator. I mean, accumulator come on up. VT, VT. All right, what's going on in your world? So at the start of this year, I uh, put it out there that I was essentially not planning to accumulate anything. Yeah, Vulture. Yeah. Cash stacking. I was yes. cash stacking, consolidating, investing in the existing portfolio. So that was my thesis. And we've done a heap of that as well. We've done renovations on properties. Kitchens and stuff, right? Up, kitchen upgrades, bathroom upgrades. Yep. Bianca, um, my lovely wife, has done an excellent job of managing those as well. It's something she's decided she wants to take on board. So uh, very much with her taking the lead, which I'm so proud of her on this as well, Shut up. has put in massive efforts to maximize every property in the portfolio from renovations, doing things to get rent up, rents up, refinancing to make sure we have the right product for profitability for us with there. And it's made a huge difference, huge difference. So the combination work on that has been massive. My, my role in all honesty has been to focus on earning well to fund these renovations out of cash instead of needing to borrow. Extract money. Yeah. yeah. So we've done that, which I, um, for those who can, I would highly recommend. I've, if, I've seen the returns that you can get. Yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> we, did a, we did a reno on a lower story of one of our places uh, with like kitchenettes and bathrooms and uh, it had a bathroom and uh, bedroom and lounge room. And I 100% recommend it. And we did it out of cash as well. And like the rent increased 120 bucks a week or something. Like the numbers just stacked up. It was like a two-year uh, payback period or something. So it is a great strategy. I would make the statement that like, let's say rents went up 10% in the year on their own, which they probably went up more, but let's just pretend they did. With the renovations we've done, I would say it's probably gone up closer to 15 for us. And the combination of doing that out of cash and not debt um, and injecting it into the portfolio has meant that interest rates have not hit us like other people. I'd be interested to also see the caliber of tenant that you get on the newer places as well because they're going to start pr- being priced they are nicer yeah and so yeah that, and you're saying that you've changed it though so you're no longer doing them well or? let's go deeper than this um, you and I are of the view and I will speak for you often on this podcast that <laughs> I inflation and purchasing power is real Completely. so if you've got money sitting in a bank account if you've got a million dollars sitting in a bank account it's being eroded at potentially five to ten percent a year depending on your personal inflation rate and what inflation is doing yep so we did a bit of revaluing did a bit of uh looking at the portfolio after the works we've done and like my lvr got to 44 percent. it's outrageous it is outrageous this is a property investing podcast what are you talking 44 percent. yeah so we owned 56 percent of our properties and the like we owned more than the bank yep 
And uh, to be honest, I was like, this is amazing. We're in a really low-risk position. We've got good cash buffers. Rents are here. Like, this is great. And it hit me that I had potentially consolidated to a point where we needed to expand again. Yep. Because if I fast-forwarded, um, so I'm looking at now, I'm, I'm roughly, on, I am, I don't have to be roughly here, I'm 34 right now, is that if I just keep paying the debt off on this, um, I'm actually going to kind of under-hit where I could get to from here. Totally. Um, you get the stagnant. On the idea that I'm going to live to 100, which I hope I do, we are consolidating too much now and potentially missing out on a lot of opportunity and dealing with a lot of inflation and my beliefs around the property market in general. So, so it really kind of hit me that if, you know, don't get me wrong, and this is the part of the podcast where I try not to come across as a rich asshole with, the, you know, yeah, sometimes it comes, it still comes. A little through. bit, a little it bit. Still comes um, uh, more from the sharing of point of view is like, if you just bought one investment property and paid it off, right, that's your strategy. By the time you paid it off, you've missed all the opportunity. Well, if you didn't pay them all down so quickly, you maybe could have bought three or four. Yep. And then you would have a much bigger footprint and you can let inflation and rent rises and all that do the work. Yep. So I, I went and looked at this and said, for me, I'm definitely um, being too conservative now. This is not appropriate. I was going to potentially wait this year, be opportunistic, started digging into the property market and found some juicy, juicy opportunities. Absolute bloody bangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Australian saying I could say. I like it. That was <laughs> that were not even just juicy. That were it was the easiest yes on the face of the planet. <laughs> so we're very fortunate to have a lot of great relationships with people in property. Yep. So um what what kind of occurred for me? So I've had this moment where I've gone, we're in a very strong position, strong cash buffers, earning is going well. I literally have more than I probably had two deposits sitting in a bank account just in offsets. Yep. I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'm absolutely poised to strike. Went out to uh, our buyer's agent and spoke to some of the team at Dashdot as well, which is our buyer's agent anyway, but yep. uh, Jason and Nick, which are amazing. Spoke to other people in the network to see what they're doing and what they're getting up to. And with my views on where it's all going, I was like, there are, as I said, some banger opportunities. Yeah. So we put the order in. One? So to this point, we have acquired one property this year in the next 48 hours maybe a second <laughs> <laughs> all right what's the goal what are we going to round out the year on uh i Is would like a goal? yeah that's a really good question so i'm uh, in this current environment with what's going on i don't see amazing opportunities for cash flow well like i once did yeah okay so buying uh unit blocks with a 10 percent yield i can't find them right now that exists now, uh, maybe there's other opportunities out there that I'm, I'm not aware of, but when I look at the deals I was previously able to get, if I was to go for a cash flow play like that, not, not, not there as I would like. Growth opportunities, on the other hand, things that need work, some amazing opportunities out there. There is some serious abundance, especially I think it's been with the compression of, of a property potentially going from positive gear, positively geared to be negatively geared to be very explicit. A lot of people are avoiding these growth plays because they almost they need the cash flow, and that's but that's the challenge because especially as the borrow uh, like the lending criteria has shrunk, people can borrow less. Like they almost are avoiding these things like the plague, which has just sprouted so many of these great growth opportunities, whether it's manufactured or just a great location. 
how I've done well in property is basically when everyone's going one way, I go a little bit the, the other way. way. Yeah. So when uh, pandemic happened, people stopped buying. I went hard. Yeah. When people were more into Sydney and Melbourne, I was investing hard in like Queensland at the time, and I, I you know, had very fortunate opportunity to have people around me that could help me spot these opportunities. The one we've just acquired just to um, fill people in on the deal is actually a subdivision project. So a splitter, you know, talk to development lingo now. <sighs> you are a developer. So this is 900 square meters uh, block with an existing house on it that's positioned to one side. Yep. The block can be cut in half and then a second dwelling can be built on that. So there's ability to fit another four-bedroom house on the property. And they already had some plans for it. They've already like uh, – someone had already started exploring doing the work on this. Um, and I'll dig into it a little bit more. The property as is today has a 5.9% um, yield. I'm outraged. <laughs> it's, it's not if bad I, for cash flow. If I wasn't doing my PPR, this is literally the property that probably would have landed on my lap. So we <laughs> – actually, that's probably yeah. true. That's actually true. You would I, have got this one. I, yeah, I'm eating some humble pie right now. <laughs> this is but this is awesome, man. I'm so good. Right, so 5.9%, interest rate's about 65 Say it's going to get up to 7%. What we've done is we've left a chunky enough deposit where this thing is cash flow neutral. It's just washing its own face. Completely. So that's acquired. It's in a growth location. Like The aim is growth. So we're leaving this thing to grow. And then we will tackle the subdivision and development. And then, like, and this is what I like about these types of deals at this stage of the property. If we want it, we can just subdivide it and sell the block of land. We don't have to build. It's, it creates so much optionality. And I think this, this is interesting because the property basically washes its own face with a health, healthy deposit, which yep. means that it pays for all of its outgoings with its um, rental income. But it's also got a, a, an engineered growth play on the back of it plus it's also in a great suburb that's going to grow anyway without you doing any engineering of anything we won't go too deep because i'll we'll do an episode on this property at another point but at the point being i think that is a cracker of a deal <laughs> and a banger <laughs> man the australia's coming out right now well this is what uh, what was fascinating in this one particularly is that the buyer's agent um i spoke to adjacent this was actually rejected by another client they didn't want it for. Uh, Why? I mean, well, they didn't I like the look of I think this is the whole issue. Well, in the market at the moment, for people that don't have chunky deposits, this is the type of stuff got they're it, avoiding. Got to go. They're looking for high because you could definitely get a high yield property in Queensland right now. Of course. So if you're looking at this and going, I need to make sure my borrowing stays healthy. I'm potentially what's right for me is high cash flow. I would probably go to Queensland as well because I think you can probably get a high yield there at the moment. But I've already got some of those properties, so it's not as important to me right now. And this comes back to malleability, right? Like if you were starting out as a property investor and this was your very first property, like I think it's a fantastic property and I would easily have it in my portfolio, but it might not be the great property for a first-timer. Like it- no, I actually think it's not a great foundational property because you have to be familiar with doing works, cancels, developments. Like I, I've done a few of these painfully, I will say, and built some experience. Not to mention like I am a plumber and know about, you know, trades and all the rest of it, which is coming immensely handy on this journey as well. But this isn't something I would recommend as a first or second or even third property for anyone. But And I think that is the malleability of understanding the different stages that you're at of your investment journey, but then being able to keep your ear to the ground and be open. Because if you were just a cash flow investor, you'd look at this thing and go, hell's no. 
Well, I thought about it, right? I think it is a cash flow play and I'll explain why. It's just that it's a delayed cash flow play. But that's the thing. It's under the covers, right? But if you were looking at it from the surface, you'd be like, no, next. Completely. And that's the, I think that's the kicker is you go, what am I missing here? What, what sits underneath it? So are you going to go more of these types of properties that have future development potential or large blocks of land or just focus on growth suburbs? Like where does the play roughly sit from a strategy perspective? Ideally this year, I want two growth plays. That's what I'm after. And this counts as one. This counts as one. Got it. And there's already, as you've kind of hinted, there's already the potential second one. Because I did ask the question. I said, is there more stuff out there like this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said, you wouldn't believe it. We've had another property rejected by someone else. They didn't buy it. And why they didn't buy it, it needs a heap of work done. Yeah, same. They, oh, yeah, yeah. So, isn't that interesting? Someone else's, someone else's trash is someone else's treasure, I think is, this, is the saying. Like, it's just these things are absolutely – and I'm, I know the next place you're looking at, fantastic property. It's just – People need to do a little bit of work. Well, it's a, I love this saying, the risk is in the investor, not the investment. So for me, it's a great deal because like, if the thing's vacant for three months and I have to get all the renos done, doesn't matter. I'm fine with that. I can factor that into my deal. But if you um, don't have the means or ability I do right now, like if you were someone earlier in the journey, I wouldn't have bought this because I want a tenant in right away. I want to get that income coming through. So in the vulturistic, is that the... Yeah, we'll go with it. I like it. Vulturistic I'll nature. I'll put it on a t-shirt for you. I feel like this is being very opportune to what the environment is presenting. Mm. I feel like they're, I will say, capital-heavy deals. Like these are not deals you can do if you don't have uh, good earning power either from business or income where you can afford to potentially uh, weather a three-month vacancy or put money into a property to do a subdivision. Or an existing property investment portfolio that supports it. Correct. Yeah. Interest. So... How do you feel being a trader? Because these are not vulture-based. I feel like deals. I've hit my I've hit my target. I said I was going to be a vulture and be positioned to strike. And I don't feel like I've right. changed course. I think I've been patient. Honestly, I'm impressed. I last this long. <laughs> it's because I was sitting there. You just go, no man, no, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. Is it, hang on, let's let's go back to that. Do you feel that these are the dead carcasses opportunities that you were looking for, or do you think that this is more? Uh, hey this is what's available right now and that's too good of a deal, let's go. Like, is this the level of carcass that you thought was going to be kicking around? I think in every market, which you've got to remember, these are cycles, totally. right? There are opportunities that present in the cycle. So you've got to remember, pandemic, no one wanted property. In the initial stages, I kid you not, and I laugh about this, there was a property listed for 900000 We put in an offer of eight thirty. They got approved. And it got accepted quicker. We were like, we should have gone in lower. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were so desperate to sell because they thought the world was ending. Yep. And it's like, can you imagine doing that now? Yeah, it's impossible. Totally. So I go, that was what presented in that environment. It was a really strong buy. And then to go on from that is like, you know, in some of my other properties, like they were the opportunities of the environment. So if you are stuck on a strategy and just thinking that's the only way, you miss what is presenting. And I've noticed that in our own investing nature is like some people like, they like, and I'm just using this again, they like developing, they're sticking to developing, that's their thing. Cool. I'm not that type of person. I'm, I will look to the environment and dictate the investment based on the environment and my goals. Completely, completely. And it's, it's unfortunate, like we, we spoke to, uh, oh, and we read a lot and watched a lot of videos and spoke to people, but it was actually mildly unfortunate how much they've got a personal bias towards a particular thing. 
And so when we were asking them questions about it or watching videos around, okay, well, how does it go deeper? It was almost like they were just trying to justify their position or their actions of just doing more of the thing as opposed to going, I don't know, there could be something else out there. Sitting at the poker table, maybe you've made a good bit of money, you don't know any other games, and yeah, you just like, keep sitting there watching that pot go down. It's like, maybe try blackjack? Yeah, or maybe back Maybe around. just get out, right, if you've made. <laughs> but I know it's, I think that seems to be the theme of this is being malleable because what was it? It's like four or five months since we did the last episode on this and we've both completely shifted. <laughs> like it's almost like this 180, just a go the other way. And it's because it's not right or wrong. It's just malleable. It's just, okay, cool. It just doesn't matter. I'll give you one more thing. I do like how negative a lot of places are about property right now. That was another thing that definitely sparked me on. If I like at the time of recording this, it's, you know, potential Armageddon out there. Yeah. It's That's like, almost what I look for. Melbourne and Sydney. House prices are crashing. Like they're not going to go back anytime soon. Awesome. So, good luck on the uh, doing my accumulator run. Someone had to Just, do it. You weren't doing it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not helping the wheel spin. I'm going to wrap it up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. If you're listening to this and you go, I want to be notified every single time you release one of these episodes, I got something for you. Head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and we'll notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. I just want to say thank you for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Property and Investing.